chapter seven of an anonymous story by anton chekhov translated by constance garnett eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter seven now that i am writing these lines i am restrained by that dread of appearing sentimental and ridiculous in which i have been trained from childhood when i want to be affectionate or to say anything tender i don't know how to be natural and it is that dread together with lack of practice that prevents me from being able to express with perfect clearness what was passing in my soul at that time i was not in love with zinaida fyodorovna but in the ordinary human feeling i had for her there was far more youth freshness and joyousness than in orlov's love as i worked in the morning cleaning boots or sweeping the rooms i waited with a thrill at my heart for the moment when i should hear her voice and her footsteps to stand watching her as she drank her coffee in the morning or ate her lunch to hold her fur coat for her in the hall and to put the galoshes on her little feet while she rested her hand on my shoulder then to wait till the hall porter rang up for me to meet her at the door cold and rosy powdered with the snow to listen to her brief exclamations about the frost or the cabman oh if only you knew how much all that meant to me i longed to be in love to have a wife and child of my own i wanted my future wife to have just such a face such a voice i dreamed of it at dinner and in the street when i was sent on some errand and when i lay awake at night orloff rejected with disgust children cooking copper saucepans and feminine knick-knacks and i gathered them all up tenderly cherished them in my dreams loved them and begged them of destiny i had visions of a wife a nursery a little house with garden paths i knew that if i did love her i could never dare hope for the miracle of her returning my love but that reflection did not worry me in my quiet modest feeling akin to ordinary affection there was no jealousy of orloff or even envy of him since i realized that for a wreck like me happiness was only to be found in dreams when zinaida fyodorovna sat up night after night for her george looking immovably at a book of which she never turned a page or when she shuddered and turned pale at polya's crossing the room i suffered with her and the idea occurred to me to lance this festering wound as quickly as possible by letting her know what was said here at supper on thursdays but how was it to be done more and more often i saw her tears for the first weeks she laughed and sang to herself even when orloff was not at home but by the second month there was a mournful stillness in our flat broken only on thursday evenings she flattered orloff and to wring from him a counterfeit smile or kiss was ready to go on her knees to him to fawn on him like a dog even when her heart was heaviest she could not resist glancing into a looking-glass if she passed one and straightening her hair it seemed strange to me that she could still take an interest in clothes and go into ecstasies over her purchases it did not seem in keeping with her genuine grief she paid attention to the fashions and ordered expensive dresses what for on whose account i particularly remember one dress which cost four hundred roubles to give four hundred roubles for an unnecessary useless dress while women for their hard day's work get only twenty kopecks a day without food and the makers of venice and brussels lace are only paid half a franc a day on the supposition that they can earn the rest by immorality 
and it seemed strange to me that zinaida fyodorovna was not conscious of it it vexed me but she had only to go out of the house for me to find excuses and explanations for everything and to be waiting eagerly for the hall porter to ring for me she treated me as a flunkey a being of a lower order one may pat a dog and yet not notice it i was given orders and asked questions but my presence was not observed my master and mistress thought it unseemly to say more to me than is usually said to servants if when waiting at dinner i had laughed or put in my word in the conversation they would certainly have thought i was mad and have dismissed me zinaida fyodorovna was favourably disposed to me all the same when she was sending me on some errand or explaining to me the working of a new lamp or anything of that sort her face was extraordinarily kind frank and cordial and her eyes looked me straight in the face at such moments i always fancied she remembered with gratitude how i used to bring her letters to zinomensky street when she rang the bell polya who considered me her favourite and hated me for it used to say with a jeering smile go along your mistress wants you zinaida fyodorovna considered me as a being of a lower order and did not suspect that if anyone in the house were in a humiliating position it was she she did not know that i a footman was unhappy on her account and used to ask myself twenty times a day what was in store for her and how it would all end things were growing visibly worse day by day after the evening on which they had talked of his official work orlov who could not endure tears unmistakably began to avoid conversation with her whenever zinaida fyodorovna began to argue or to beseech him or seemed on the point of crying he seized some plausible excuse for retreating to his study or going out he more and more rarely slept at home and still more rarely dined there on thursdays he was the one to suggest some expedition to his friends zinaida fyodorovna was still dreaming of having the cooking done at home of moving to a new flat of travelling abroad but her dreams remained dreams dinner was sent in from the restaurant orlov asked her not to broach the question of moving until after they had come back from abroad and apropos of their foreign tour declared that they could not go till his hair had grown long as one could not go trailing from hotel to hotel and serving the idea without long hair to crown it all in orlov's absence kukushkin began calling at the flat in the evening there was nothing exceptional in his behaviour but i could never forget the conversation in which he had offered to cut orlov out he was regaled with tea and red wine and he used to titter and anxious to say something pleasant would declare that a free union was superior in every respect to legal marriage and that all decent people ought really to come to zinaida fyodorovna and fall at her feet end of chapter seven recording by expatriate in bangor maine